All right. Okay. All right. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen, and I have a kitten in my lap. I'm David, and I'm underloaded right now. Well, slightly loaded because I'm drinking eggnog with stuff in it, but... I'm kind of overloaded with kittens about now. <laughs> and I'm Herbie, fully loaded. <laughs> Oof, deep cuts, deep cuts. Uh, well, we have established that nobody in this uh, uh, channel has seen any Lindsay Lohan movies. Mm, that's a no. Probably not. Not even The Parent Trap? No. Um, Why would I have seen that? I was an adult when that came out. Yes, I suppose that's true. I think I've seen the original. Yeah, I I also have seen the original. Anyway, so yes, today we are Overloaded, part two. (gasps) It's the exciting conclusion to our second season of Premiere. Very Uh, big and exciting. First aired February 27th, 2016, uh, written much like last week's episode by Adam Beechin. Oh, good. Uh, we frequent. actually have multi-parter written by the same person. Yes. Well, he's also going to come back and write the two-part finale. Good. That just seems wrong to me when different people write the different parts of a multi-parter. I don't know why. I mean, I, I, mean, I assume I, that's I, just I, part of the standard distribution of work. It just... Yeah, I assume it's a thing where it's like a writer's room and everybody kind of writes the whole thing, but since they all did, uh, you know, they each contributed a third of the work, they each accredited with one episode for accounting purposes. Well, I figure they, you know, probably as a writer's room, probably come up with the plot, and it's like occasionally when you see episodes that are like... I mean, not of this, but you see episodes of things that are credited as, like, story by such and such, and then teleplay by whoever. So I assume the, in those cases, like, the name on the episode is the one who did the actual literal scripting duties, but that mm. the writer's room did the the actual, you know, this happens and this happens and this happens. I mean, I vaguely recall, I think it's some animated plot where, or multi-parter where, like, one person handled each of one of the subplots. I could see that. Maybe. Anyway, so, uh, previously, we left on a a literal cliffhanger. Yes. When uh, Office Prime was left clinging to an ice cliff, uh, using only Drift's poor two minicons as footholds. And they were not happy about it. They were not doing well. Why was he climbing out on the ledge? Why was he there only with an umbrella? Why did he climb down? (laughs) Oh, wait, I'm just having flashbacks to Doctor Who. (laughs) But this is basically the same thing. Why is is Grandpa doing things that he should not be doing and getting in danger? Uh, And yeah, uh, this this Decepticon is still hucking chunks of ice at him, too. Yeah, oh, he's the best colors. Polar Claw is the best colors. Screaming like an angry kitten who wants food and has never had food. Yeah, he, yes. he doesn't actually have any lines in this. He just makes, like, bear noises. Yeah. Yeah, and then he screams at the point where he does his whole Sonic well, attack thing. But yeah, just a sound he... effect, not somebody voicing him. Is it... Apparently it is Steve Bloom making the, uh, making the bear yeah, noises. There you go. Okay. Oh, uh, he he is trying to be Frank Welker, huh? Well, it's just a little to fill in. He's more like being um, 
Why am I blanking? Never mind. <laughs> okay, you thinking of? No, I, I, I like started on a train of thought and, and it left the station before I caught a ride to who I was thinking of. Okay. Like not like D. Bradley Baker, so, just somebody who makes animal noises occasionally. Fred Tassiori, maybe? Yeah. I think that guy plays the Hulk a lot. Oh yeah, possibly. Anyway, so uh so the the minicons are all master. We are totally blowing this. We need your wisdom and your assistance. So, so he, uh, so Drift, you know, jams his sword into the snow here, and then he uses a sideswipe to reach out to Prime, and then Windblade kind of picks him up because she can fly in robot mode, and eventually they get Old Man Prime back up on solid ground. There is that very impressive shot of, like, coming up from... From Optimus up to Sideswipe, up to Drift in the chain, and then showing the sword and the ice struggling. And that, that was some fairly impressive animation work. Yes. Yeah, it's well filmed for something that shouldn't have happened. Although it shouldn't have happened because Grandpa is bad at knowing his limits. <laughs> so he's finally all, ah, uh, yeah, maybe I'm actually, uh, not doing so great here. <laughs> Maybe I'm actually too old for this. Well, you know, one of us, you know, we still have to find John Lithgow, and, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the movie Cliffhanger. Hmm. Ha. Which, which has a totally hilarious, over-the-top uh, Lithgow villain performance. He's kind of British, but he's kind of just John Lithgow. It's hard to say. So, a John Lithgow performance. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Get out of here, Sylvester Stallone! Catches he we don't want you anymore. Well, that doesn't work because he's towering over Stallone. Yeah, that's true. He has like a foot on Stallone. But they're they're, they're only in like <laughs> like two scenes together through the whole movie. Well, I mean, it's like a Die Hard thing yeah. where mostly, uh, you know, he's trying to either escape John Lithgow or get to John Lithgow. Was, anyway, was it was that so, all about uh, diamonds or was it money? No, it's it's mo- I think it's money that's going to be like destroyed by the Treasury Department or something, oh, and it's in like mean. these super high tech suit like cases. Yeah, that if you press one button on them, they just shred the money or some shit. Yeah, it's very much Die Hard on a Mountain. Yeah, not a great movie, but it's okay. Anyway, yeah, where were we? Yeah, so, on uh, a mountain. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> and in fact, we're soon to be under the mountain because it turns out. This Decepticon also has a sonic roar that he uses to trigger an avalanche. Oops. And then everybody, you know, Windblade... And then uh, everybody dies, the end. Well, Prime tells Windblade, just fly away and leave us here. And she's like, fuck no. So she uses her, like, turbines to kind of, like, get them sort of like a bubble in this avalanche. But they still get uh, buried in snow. Well, they get buried in snow. They don't get buried into the entire mountain. She manages to divert no. enough that, like, they're only down a few feet. So, so cut. We cut back to this uh, this parking lot. We previously saw uh, Overload and his newfound supporting oh, cast members. I should have looked what? at my notes first. Let's <laughs> rewind a bit. I, I should have started off the the episode with, "Oh, Optimus Prime needs some rescue bots." Carry on. <laughs> I thought that was a good good gag when I wrote it down. Anyway, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. It was a fine idea. Yes. Good. Good joke. It was.
unfortunately, we are not really close to Maine right now. No. No, we are probably... Actually, you know, there are definitely a lot of places further from Maine. Well, if they're where polar bears are... Yeah, that's They fair. would be close-ish. Mm-hmm. But if they're at the other... Do they ever say which pole they go to? Probably not. I don't believe so. But we don't ever encounter any animals. They're just uh, some vehicles on a base. No, there, yeah, there's just a an Arctic, re- either an Arctic or an Antarctic research station. It's possible the thing is happening in there, and we just don't know about it. That's unfortunate. Are, are there, there, there are a bunch of Antarctic research bases. I don't know how many Arctic ones there are. Oh, there are a ton of Arctic research bases. Really? Yeah, they're sure. just like less of a big deal because there's more land, yeah. like normal land up there. Yeah, I mean, you're just like in Canada. You're not... Well, yeah, uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be like fully Arctic. It'd just be, oh, we're on the edge of Canada. We're on a little island. That's well, in the Arctic. I believe a bunch of um, uh, Canadian stations on the Dew Line were converted to permanent research installations. Wait, how far is the Dew Line? The, it was. It stood for Distant Early Warning, and they were basically stations with like super radar that would let you know if the if the Reds started firing missiles over the Arctic Circle, but, so but that we would isn't... know early on. But that isn't as close to the, the, the pole as you are when you're on Antarctica. Well, no. Which is how I was going. Like, like you're still in Canada. Without being in the weird bits of Canada that no one knows about. Those are the, the secret, best bits of Canada. The secret yes, provinces. Secret. We don't like to talk about them. Secret Canada. Well, only the parts where, the, the, um, are they still card Inuit? Having, they... having Welcome to Night Vale flashbacks there. Secret Canada. Okay. If you're we north don't, we of don't the Baffin ta- Islands, I do not. We, we don't talk that. about the secret provinces: Old Foundland, Womanitoba, <laughs> French Columbia. Don't talk about them. <laughs> Elzamir Island. Wow, I don't. I don't remember any. I think I used to know the territory names, but not anymore. Well, it the, sounds the, amazing, and I love it. The three territories are the Yukon, uh, yeah. the Northwest Territories, and none of it. Oh, that's the one I forgot. But but all the islands that are up of that are just... Well, and like, also, when you were in remember. school, it would have just been the Yukon and the Northwest Territories, but then they split the Northwest Territories in half, and uh, one half stayed the Northwest Territories, the other half became Nunavut. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I missed that stage. <laughs> that was around 1999 or so. Yeah, that that somewhere after that, or around then, is when I kind of stopped caring about geography, because, like... Too many little European countries were renamed or merged or separated. It's like I'm never gonna go there. I don't need to remember all the names. When I stopped caring about Canada, (laughs) I stopped caring about Canada when Beast Machines ended. Listen, Canada never stopped caring about you. Aww, (laughs) I just don't want to go back to Canada. Canada's nice anyway. uh, So yeah, we're we're uh, our remaining Autobots are poking around this parking lot where Overload and his newfound supporting cast minicons ransack and backtrack totally smashed it up. Yes, uh, as Grimlock says, he observes a uh, a a smashed car. Uh, This could be the work of backtrack and ransack, or it could be rust. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they don't realize it, it didn't occur to them that uh, they might all be working together at this point. They no. assume that everybody just got in a fight and took off in their uh-huh. separate, just, separate directions. It does seem weird that nobody suggests that. Like that, 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 that would I would think be a strong arm idea. It's like what's working we, together. We we totally forgot like that those like 
semicircular divots in uh, <laughs> in Overload's uh, forearms. We just uh, we forgot about this. We forgot that he has round minicon ports. Yeah, his, his wheel-shaped holes. Yeah. Perfect for orb-shaped bots, guys. Anyway, so he, uh, so, you know, they split up. Uh, Strongarm and Grimlock are going to have to look for the minicons. Bumblebee is gone. He's gone full Charles Bronson here because, so, because he's got to get overload. He's mine. Yes. Settle down, Bumblebee. This time it's personal. Strong arm is a little bit like there seems to be some history. Like maybe this is the, a bad idea for you to go after him. There seems to be some history. Bumblebee's like, no, he's mine. Like, yeah. Okay, okay, buddy. All right, he's yours. I'm vengeance. I'm the knight. Yes. I'm Bumblebee. Calm down, Robin. We'll get Two Face eventually. Slade. Oh, or Slade, you know, How come I, it, it really is a shame they never called him uh, his hilarious comic name, Deathstroke the Terminator. Yeah. He, he could just pick whether he wanted to be Deathstroke or the Terminator. He had to be Deathstroke the Terminator. The Terminator. Yeah. The whole thing. Go all the way. I'm sure and, one of those two names came up in Teen Titans probably as a joke. I, I don't think they did. Slade hmm. is just such a good name. Well, I mean, maybe Slade is his bad guy name. His real name is Deathstroke T. Terminator. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I figure if that's your, like, legal name, then maybe you want to try something a little lower key if you're doing actual criminal activity. The T stands for Tiberius. <laughs> anyway, so we... Settle down. So yeah, the uh, the Autobots dig uh, the Arctic Autobots are possibly Antarctic. Although the wiki says Arctic, so I think maybe it's the Arctic. I think okay. they did specify that they were going to the Arctic, and that would make sense with the polar bear. Otherwise, they'd be fighting like a penguin guy. Yeah, which we haven't had a penguin robot in a would while. also be interesting in its own way. I mean, I assume it would just be a guy doing a Burgess Meredith impression. Ah, oh, yes, or right. possibly a Danny DeVito impression. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> You gotta admit, I played this stinking planet like a hop from hell. <laughs> uh, uh, black oh, goop starts coming out of his mouth. I rewatched that movie for some reason. Picking eggs out of his pocket. I rewatched that movie like Egg. earlier this year. I mean, I, I I usually try and get it in around Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> some of it stands up. Some of it maybe yeah could live without. I mean, it is a great performance, but it is also sometimes unwatchably grotesque. Yes. Yes. That was the first movie that I made a point of, like, going out of my way to see, like, outside of of any kind of family stuff. I mean, my mom had to take me because I was, like, 13 and couldn't drive myself. But I was like, I really need to go see this. So they, they, you know, and they, so, you know, they, they survived this thanks to Windblade, but they really need to know who they're facing here. And so they have to call in Fix It. They call, who gets stuck in a loop until, uh, Russell hucks a can at him. <laughs> yes, they have to commit violence upon the poor injured little robot. I mean, it, ableist. It, it's just a little Arthur Fonzarelli maintenance. 
I mean, I guess it would be ableist if we then made fun of him for it, as it is we're just assisting him with things he's having difficulty with. (laughs) Then we get back to Gene and Jorts the Cats as uh, metaphors (laughs) for disability in the workplace. Please do not butter fix it. (laughs) (laughs) He's orange, I know. (laughs) Watch his... Then I just wonder who would lick it off. And the answer, of course, is Grimlock. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Whereas, of course, Grimlock would be terrified of the actual Gene and Jorts. Yes. Oh, yes. Because they're cats. Aww. So anyway, they they call him up, and it turns out their Decepticon is indeed Polar Claw. He's He's got great vision, and he is the crime boss of Northern Cybertron. Very cool. Uh, yeah, which, like, I, I guess every planet has a north, but... He's known for such... He, he's known for long-term uh, strategizing <laughs> so that he can make sure that things are taken care of while he hibernates. Yes. Which, so he's also I, Odin? Also. <laughs> just the next time something mildly inconveniences me at work, I'm declaring that I'm taking, I'm going into the Odin sleep. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> lay down under my desk and take a nap. <laughs> just a, a family conversation that I don't want to have. Just like, oh, oh I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta go to the Odin sleep. But, uh, I do like that Again, we have so many questions that the basic conceit of the series inspires because Optimus says that they are they need information on a Decepticon who uh appears who is similar to an Earth polar bear. Yes. I'm like, well what is he on Cybertron? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's not from Earth. I mean I'm sure so, they yeah. have some sort of bear equivalent. Well yeah, this guy. <laughs> It, 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 the, the animalness of some of these guys, like, it, it stretches credibility the more and more of them we get. And also... Although at least Prime probably doesn't know what a polar bear is. So. I'm and, going to choose to believe that at the end of Prime, when Optimus goes into the Allspark and reignites it, maybe just like there's so much Earth residue on him that the Allspark gets all this, like, information about Earth creatures and creates Decepticons accordingly. Oops, all furries. What's yes. The- <laughs> yeah. What's yes. the time difference between the end of Prime and, and the beginning of Rid? Because these guys were captured and, and sent into space somewhere in between. Yeah, I mean, try not to think about it too hard. And also trying to think about how this guy is like a brilliant crime boss who also entirely communicates in bear noises. <laughs> like, is he writing these brilliant plans down? Does he have, like, an assistant who speaks bear? <laughs> well, a bear translator. As we see, he he's trying to go into hibernation, so he's just grumbly and very very tired. <laughs> I mean, relatable. <laughs> Speaking of grumbles, how ma- how many like pained old man noises does Peter Cullen make in this episode? Because like, oh, all the prime grumbles. Oh, I man, mean, to be is... fair, not to bring up uncomfortable things, but. He is pretty old. 
Well, yeah, yes, but, it's just that they make him do a lot of uh, uh, noises. <laughs> Maybe they just made him climb some stairs and record it. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, Peter, just, just give us some of that uh, King Kong lives. <laughs> just eight birthing noises. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so the big problem is he's got great eyesight and he's obviously going to see them coming a mile away but hey now he leads them to this uh, this thing base and he because he learned uh, many lessons by the primes and one of them was that you can sell some repaints by scanning Yay. some vehicles <laughs> and copying their color scheme we get arctic attack batman co-cells uh, apparently they were they were sold as hmm? oh they were sold as blizzard strike everyone gets blizzard my strike. favorite color scheme everyone everyone gets my favorite colors yeah but, but yeah although, they were uh, like fortunately uh not all of these guys actually got blizzard strike toys and the ones that did didn't look anything like this Aww. No, not quite. No, there were some are more more blue or something. Uh, Windblade didn't get one. Sideswipe did. I think so. I don't know if Drift, Drift got. Yeah, I think he got it. Oh, he got he got something. I don't remember if it was the blue. Anyway, it is kind of cool. Although it does sap some of the visual interest from the show because everybody's yeah, it does. in Arctic camo on an Arctic background. Almost ten minutes of this episode is white on white on light blue. It, oh, it's, it's like so watching pretty. a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> yes. Except I can hear everybody over the background soundtrack. <laughs> and nobody has a dead wife. <laughs> that you know of. Well, I well, hey, I guess we the one character we know has a wife does not have a dead wife. Uh, and that is, of course, Denny. That's hmm. fair. That's fair. Who has a living wife who no longer speaks to him. <laughs> I think that's called an ex-wife. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't care if it, their marital status is uh, ever confirmed on this. Yeah, um, I think it's just best left assumed. I mean, it is a kid show, but we, in the in Prime, we did find out that uh, Jack's dad went out for a pack of cigarettes and didn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Drift got a Blizzard strike that was blue. And an alpine strike that was more white. Okay. <laughs> which, which is the same thing that Sideswipe got. Mm. Anyway, so we now cut to, uh, to Grimlock and Strongarm, who are on the track of these minicons, but are in fact in, uh, on, the, uh, on the trail of what are either Boy Scouts or possibly the Lad Pioneers from <laughs> Rescue Bots. Oh, man. I would be up for some Lad Pioneers here. And uh, apparently the, the last one to their campsite has to dig the latrine. And it looks like these guys are about to dig that latrine. Especially, so, you know, they have to figure out how they're going to get the, you know, how they're going to get these guys out of here. And the Grimlock comes up with a clever deception. Also, Strongarm is unreasonably mean to Grimlock about it being his fault that they can't just hide. Like, yes. he didn't choose to be a dinosaur as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Don't be mean to him about it. Don't be modest. <laughs> so it's not okay, Grimlock Strongarm. Just... I know you're a cop, but it's not okay. 
So Grimlock just roars past these guys, and then Strahmer pulls up and says, so, Nothing to worry about, juvenile citizens. Just the Forest Service preparing for Scenario 26B. Scientists <laughs> revive a dinosaur, and it runs wild. Which happens all the time. Stay in school. <laughs> I like that she does stay in school. So they are pretty much just thrilled about this. Yes, they're very exciting. Like, we might not make it, we might not be the first to make it there, but we'll win at the campfire stories. Yeah, so we we cut back now to our, uh, our, our, uh, our road team. Uh, you know, they, uh, they've got their color schemes, they're, they're sneaking towards Polar Claw, uh, but, uh, uh, now it's uh, now it's Sideswipe who's uh, looking a little rickety. Anyway, so yeah, so uh, so you know, and of course Prime is somewhat winded by scanning this color scheme, so nobody is in great shape here because it's also very cold. Yes, and as we have established again in back in Prime, they are affected by the cold after long periods of time. Yeah, so I guess we can just, we'll maybe just handle these, since we do a lot of cutting back and forth here. Yeah. Too much, to be honest. We'll just do the, the Arctic thing, so they, uh, they sneak into, uh, Polar Claw's farging ice hole. <laughs> and, you They know, do at one point, they're coming up the road, and then he sees them, and they all stop. And he looks down at them, and the POV shot of him looking down at them makes them look a lot more, uh, Camouflaged than they actually are in any other yes. shot. So and they're, and they're Drift, doing well. Good job. So they, they sneak up on him in the cave and Drift and Drift very wisely suggested they should just wait until he hibernates because he's about to hibernate. So we'll just wait for him to fall asleep and then we'll get him. That's mean. He just wants to take a nap. Hey, they'll they'll let him to continue napping forever. <laughs> I suppose those stasis pods do look like they're probably pretty restful. <laughs> but instead, Sideswipe uh, decides that, you know, there are four of us, there's one of him, we're going to get him. And then hey, that squeaky uh, part gives him away. Uh, Polar Claw pulls a fade, chases, uh, they chase, they chase him to a cliff, which he successfully gets down from and turns into the pit, into the bear mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's some sort of snow machine thing. I mean, it's, well, he's, it's uh, what's his name? Um, Steel Jaws alt mode. But it's Steel Jaws vehicle mode, but with tracks. Yeah, he, yes. he's a half track, just the back yes. end. But he's like a sporty half track. So this cliff straight up collapses. They fall into this icy water, which they're which mostly is- fine in, but they're also very cold. Yeah. It, it, it's a decent comedy beat that I think is a commercial break. Mm-hmm. And so, so Windblade, uh, you know, she, she goes up, knocks Polar Claw into the water, uh, where he is then attacked from below, and he can't use his sonics underwater. Which, so, um, that's not entirely how sound works. Yeah, but, I don't think that's how sound works. I guess it may, it's not as at effective. At least not to this. Yeah, it shouldn't be as effective. But it, well, it would travel further, but it would be slower. But, like, he doesn't, no, nothing comes out. Yeah. Which is like, should do something. So, Prime just punches Some him. Bubbles. And, uh, so, you know. So now they're gonna head to one of Windblade's, uh, she's a nearby cache, very convenient. Because otherwise they just have to drag this guy around the entire time. Yes. <laughs> like, 
half, I mean, maybe not halfway in t- around the world, but way too far. Yeah, just, you know, just bury him in snow and put, like, an ice scraper uh, to mark where he is, like in Fargo. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so back in uh, back in more temperate climes, uh, Overload is... Uh, remember how at the end of the last episode he was all, oh, I shall destroy the city to... Uh, to show, to lure in Optimus Prime, and here he's just punching an RV. Yeah, it, it's very, it's like, he's saying it's like practice at some, even, it's like, what well, it did, I thought this was going to be a fake out, because I don't remember when I first watched this episode, but it wasn't. Like, I thought, for the, the entire episode, I thought, oh, he's making voices like there's somebody in the trailer because he's throwing off Bumblebee to confuse him, but no, there's actually people in there why are you just punching this trailer? What the fuck? Er, I, I mean, he says something about it. You know, it's a rehearsal. Yeah, but he's it, getting ready. He's getting. You know, he's just doing it because he wants to punch some things. Yes. Mm. Well, and then pretty soon he's getting punched. There's a lot of punching in this episode because Bumblebee just starts wailing on him and has absolutely no effect. <laughs> no, because the overload's like twice his size and covered in armor, and he keeps talking. You know. And Overload has no idea who he is. No. It's a real, for you, the day Bison grazed your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. I, I do like that he never realizes who Bumblebee is. No. it's such a cliche that it's like, oh, now I know who you are at the end when he gets his ass kicked. But it never happens. I also absolutely thought of, of the M. Bison line. <laughs> of course! <laughs> And at one point he thinks he remembers him because he called him sh- Yes, he once called me shameless and overdramatic. How dare you, sir? And Bumblebee's he, like, no, that that wasn't even me. Because he, I guess he, he mistook him for a theater critic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which is like, man, it's been a long time since I've seen the critic. I can't remember any Jay Sherman lines other than, buy my book. <laughs> buy my book. It stinks. Booty, booty, booty. <laughs> Prometheus, <laughs> but that's not his line. Oh man, I should uh, well, I should watch that. I bet it holds up. I, yeah, that's that's something that might stand to really. I, I got the set on DVD for Christmas. In fact, ooh, ooh it's nice. a thing that exists. Uh, yes, nice. I, I know. I, before I, I was, if it didn't happen, that would be a real Duke catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> Is that on any streaming things? Should be. It, it, it feels like something would be on Hulu or HBO Max or something. Uh, yeah, it's something I don't want. Maybe don't Hulu. Maybe Hulu. Oh, the complete series is either at a reasonable price or a really cheap price. Nice. Wait a minute. Penguins can't fly. Penguins can't <laughs> fly. Was Take a good that. Show. Take that, Guanica. Hmm. <laughs> ah. Anyway, so yeah, he is. Uh, so he's getting beat up, and then at one point, the the minicons jump in, and he get, it, now now it is Bumblebee who is being beaten up, and now he's getting punched. <gasps> oh no! But then finally, he realizes. Oh wait, these these minicons are like little weird gremlins who like making noise, banging noises. So he just like grabs like a, a barbecue and just starts hitting Overload oh, yeah. with it. 
This and is so great. That brought back memories. It's a very specific campground barbecue. Oh, yeah. It's on a pole. Yes. That, that I, I remember every time I would go to Vermont every summer as a kid. They they have those in parks a lot. The ones yeah. that are just like up on a up on a pole, but then it's just like a cast iron box with a grill yeah. on top. And good stuff. Good stuff. I've made burgers in those. <laughs> on them, I guess. And they're making a little Frank Welker noise. And they just start hitting the overload with like frying pans. Yeah. Just whacking about causing chaos, not doing any Such damage. Such a great way of defeating him. Just being like, hey, you t- you two are a couple mischievous little gremlins. Come bang on this guy with some frying pans. He hates it. And they're like, oh boy! <laughs> oh, they're so and Overload good. calls for security, which is good. Yes. They're so good. And then he... he- you get the old not in the face, not in the face, <laughs> and he gets punched in the face. Womp womp. So, so Grimlock and Strongarm get there. Um, you know they Grimlock has to haul off Overload, and Bumblebee just kind of leads these two mini cons like the Pied Piper. He's banging <laughs> pots, making noise. I like me. that he he just leads them back, just be like, just being like, "Come on, little guys, let's get you back in your pod." Wee. Yep. We're gonna march back. Make a noise, being little dudes. They're good little dudes. And that, and then you know, this this camper emerges from his RV and says, "We are never camping here again." Too many bears. <laughs> and is it just me, or does he look like the mayor's assistant from Rescue Bots? He doesn't that. quite have the haircut. Yeah, well, he, he they, doesn't have glasses, but well, but they've definitely got that similar uh, Carlton Banks fashion. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the, yeah, that is the episode. It was, it was pretty amusing. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I I like the little gremlin-y mini cons, and I like how he just convinces them to to help him by being like, "Hey, here's some mischief." Uh, I like all of the away team getting my favorite color scheme, uh, but uh, yeah, so it's it's fun. Not not a lot of substance to it, but it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it, well, I, it's it's the, the two parter is two uh, two episodes split apart and restitched together. Yeah, might have worked better like one at a time storylines. I did like it at the end of uh, the Arctic team side of things when Sideswipe is limping along and Optimus is like, you seem like you could use some assistance. Oh yeah, Prime Troll's on him. He does. Odd. And then looks a little bit smug about it. But, you know, lessons. He's got to learn lessons. Sideswipe is a youngin. He's got to learn some lessons. And you you know, it... uh I kind of wish that Polar Claw was more of like a a character than like a weird animal guy. Yeah, yeah. same. Well, o- Overload's a fun character, so it kind of makes up for it that Polar Claw isn't. Although it would have been nice to see like any planning and strategy from him <laughs> if he's supposed to be yeah. a mob boss instead of just this screamy polar bear who's trying to go down for a nap. Yeah, I could see that. It it would have been a little more convincing to have him like be a proper character and not just a guy who growls and yells. Yes. Nice colors, though. I'm always a fan of the white and the ice blue. Mm. Alright, so uh, 
So yeah, pretty uh, pretty entertaining episode. I believe that now brings us to David's Tokusatsu Corner. Oh yes, this week on Gosei Sentai Die Ranger, it's the final punch. Not countdown, but you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, continuing from last week with Dark Karate Master Jin, the the cool looking guy who's a bad guy in various other Sentai series. <laughs> Following him more. Um, at the end of the last episode, he'd beaten up the Red Ranger, and it was like it started with a flashback to that of getting beaten up again. So, of course, the Red Ranger is going into training, but they're all the other Rangers are also training because they got to defeat defeat the Pot guy who sucked up the Pink Ranger last episode. And uh, Master Kaku tells them, "You need to master Invisible Kenpo," which sure basically breaks down to you have to punch twice as fast so they can't see you <laughs> and that will break the pot sure but uh, in the process of this whole episode and, and, and their training and things and ridiculous uh, there, have you ever seen like where someone is wearing like leather straps and there are like springs in between them on their body mm-hmm. to train which comes up in anime or used to come up in anime every once in a while and it never seems like like how is that supposed to make you stronger pinching yourself with springs oh. like the theory is it's resistance but it never looks like it works like that yeah I don't know well the Red Ranger's doing it's that weird and scary throughout this episode while the, the other Rangers are beating him up with sticks because of course the Red Ranger has to be the one to train to be the best mm-hmm. he has to be the very best like no one ever was <laughs> Throughout the episode, of course, the, the pot monster sucks up all the other rangers except for Red. And Red goes off to beat up the, the Jin again. Oh, oh, and there's a scene where Jin beats up, like, the last rival dojo master, who was a really old guy in a wheelchair being wheeled out of a hospital. But they actually have a really fun fight out of it. <laughs> so he's not entirely wheelchair-bound. So that, that was fun. That was a good kung fu fight. Oh, and it turns out that the Jin's sister, who I thought was his sister last episode, but yes, is his sister, was working in a nurse conveniently at that hospital and saw him murder a guy. Yikes! Saw him just kill someone. <laughs> and she's all like, stop doing this! And he's like, no! And then he's flashing back to when his dad stabbed him in the hand. Mm-hmm. And then we do find out, yes, the reason he's wearing a black glove on one hand is because apparently his father cut his hand completely off. He's got a, like, metal prosthetic cyborg hand. Ah. Boy, I, I think I saw that in a movie once. I can't think of what it was. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. But it's like, I, I thought it was going to be a fake out or something like, the, like, like a Doctor Doom thing, like he just has one little scar. But no, it's a whole metal hand. Ow. Anyway, uh, the, the one uh, Cenobite-looking bad guy who went off on his own last time to ponder a ball is still pondering his orb, <laughs> which he's filling with demonic energy or something, so he, it can be transferred to the ultimate magical fist master. I wonder who that's going to be. I love orb pondering. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jin and, and Red Ranger fight on a beach, and, and because he's been training with the springs and with the other rangers, once he rips the springs off, he can beat Jin by being a faster puncher, just barely, or just enough to, like, punch him, get blood to come out of his face, and, well, actually, he does punch him into the ocean because they're fighting at a beach. So then it's like, yay, the Red Ranger's ready, and he goes off to fight the pot monster after all the other rangers have been sucked up and... 
he fights the pot monster and it's really dramatic with flames around. But the episode, much like last episode, is almost entirely about Jin and how badass and awesome he is. <laughs> and so he comes crawling out of the ocean after fight. He says it's like the first time he's ever been beaten. I guess he doesn't count that time his dad punched him off the cliff and chopped his hand off as a loss. <laughs> Anyway, I guess he hasn't lost. As dads do. He hasn't lost since then, anyway. (laughs) Killing other dojo masters. So, uh, Zydos shows up with his orb. It's like, you want to touch the ball? You, you, oh, what does he say? Something like, you lost because emotions make you weak. You need to become (laughs) heartless. But then he does, he just wanders off before giving him the power. So Jin's just sitting there on the beach in the surf. And his sister comes by. It's like, Jin, please stop fighting. Please come back with me. You're done. Enough with this revenge shit. And Jin's like, nah, I'm going to be the bad guy. And murders her with his metal hand. At which point I was cheering, yay, we get a, we get a villain with a personality and a Jin. Like, the three Cenobite goons are okay, but they don't seem to have much going on other than these are the bad guys. They don't seem to have agendas. I mean, the, the one of them, the son who had buttons all over, had more of a personality than they do, <laughs> and they killed him off. But Jin, handsome-looking, badass motherfucker who murdered his sister to kill all emotion in him, takes the orb, gets powered up, gets a new armor, which ends up making him look like Kenshiro from Fist of the North Star with one cyborg arm, which is cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Meanwhile, there's a giant robot fight happening. Mostly off screen, because the show is focusing on the real important character of this episode, Jin, the bad guy. Robot fight. We get to see it. It's just that it feels like even more of an afterthought than giant robot fight usually does. Oh shit! We gotta get a giant robot fight in here somewhere. Yes, it's it's very much an appendix in this episode. (laughs) Oh, so this was fun. Yay! We have a new bad guy with a personality. But the funny thing is, like. He just punches Zydos, who gave him the orb and the power. It's like, fuck you, I'm doing my own shit, and just walks off into the sunset. <laughs> it's like, yes, more of this. I mean, this has been an okay show so far, but it's like, I like more meat on my villains, and this is definitely meat. Handsome mm, meat at that. Meaty villains. Yeah. So that's this week's episode. Okay, and that does it for this week's episode of Stasis Pod. We'll be back next week with, I believe, more Dinazenon. Yes, the uh, schedules and us missing and taking Christmas off means it, it's not the first week of the month, but yes, Dinazenon next. Stuff. And, and we'll be back uh, in two weeks with um, Metal Meltdown, in which the overplot for this season begins, and we uh, reconnect with... Uh, this series' sexiest Decepticon. <gasps> Yay! My favorite! Why is he like Star that? Scream? Wait, no, the other one. Why is he so sexy? Well, Knockout! Wait, no, the other one. <laughs> well, you know, don't uh, don't rule out Starscream turning up. <gasps> dun, dun, actually, dun. I get Yeah, I guess Steeljaw is the sexiest one in the show, even though he's a furry. Yeah. I mean, they're all furries. Well, most yeah, of most of them. Uh, Actually, no, it has been a while. Other than Megatronus, it's been a while since we've had a not-animal-in-some-way one. Anyway, of course, oh, Overload, duh. The one we, yeah, he, yeah he's not. And, 
Yeah. That makes him a little forgettable. And uh, not uh, not Fracture. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Fracture, Fracture was the last one. Mm. Well, so, yeah, yeah, but uh, until next time, we are all over the internet. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, for December, uh, we did Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, because that finally came to streaming. Uh, we haven't quite decided what we're doing for January yet, uh, because we all saw Spider-Man, but we're not feeling real responsible about, like posting movies before they're on streaming. Uh, so we're probably going to record that, set it aside, and then do something else in a week or two. Yeah, maybe. Or, or the way, no, Eternals Eternals is coming out later in January than I thought. Later so. in January. And, well, uh, also no. the... Uh, the that Morbius movie is eventually coming to theaters in late January, uh, and we yeah, probably but, won't be seeing it, but... No. <laughs> but... Uh, do you have an alternative recommendation? Ah, yes, I do. You see, there is... You see, Morbius was also on the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, yes. This is the best suggestion, and I, I'm i I'm voting in favor of it. I, I fully approve not ever having to go see the Morbius movie. <laughs> and, and yes, I can guarantee that this episode does not have Jared Leto in it. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> The accents might be almost as bad as that episode of X-Men where all the Cajuns are there. And it's just <laughs> horrible. It's so bad. Listen, spoilers for that episode. Uh, Morbius is basically Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for it. I am ready for it. Well, hi, Paca. <laughs> basically, yes. <laughs> I am ready for this. I did not bite her. I did not. Oh, hi, Peter. <laughs> Oddly, why so is Morbius would be better casting? <laughs> He's more yes. Dracula. Yes. yes. And he might be Greek like Morbius from the comics. Oh, or he might be Transylvanian. We don't know. Uh, I mean, my Ooh. dream casting would have been Jason Manzoukas. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, I can see that. No, you get Jared Leto. You just have to shave him and stick him in a wig, though. You just get some Jared Leto. Sorry. No. Well, hey, then we might be getting some Craven the Hunter. <laughs> okay, I do want a Craven the Hunter, but the problem is I want a Craven the Hunter in MCU. I really like the that the uh, a a character who is known for being. In general, but even also specifically in the MCU, as a more like lighthearted, funny character, is getting all of their supporting cast spinoffs as these like super dark and broody, like '90s style, gritty, violent, like R-rated action features. <laughs> Turning them into freaking Batman movies for his villains. Mm. All right, no, so that's not how this shit would work. Peter Parker. <laughs> All right, so until next time, I'm Rob. And I'm Jen. And I'm overdrawn at the memory bank. I'm David. Oh, man. Speaking of Raul Julia. Yeah.